You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Just a robe that was torn And he never gave me diamonds or gold But the story of his love is the greatest ever known He loved me to death until the end when Father, forgive them. It's a love that's not measured by height or depth. Even when I didn't love him, he loved me to death. How could you love someone like me? I can be. I don't deserve his mercy, and I don't deserve his touch, but on the cross with arms wide open, he said, I love you this much. He loved me to death until the What a blessing that was. Amen. He loved us to death. Amen. He loved you too much. He he loved you so much, he would rather die than spend eternity without you. At this time, for those that would like to, we're going to dismiss uh, to junior church, uh, ages, uh, what is that, five to ten? Kindergarten to fifth grade. Okay, there you go. 
Uh, so for those that would uh, like to send their kids back, we have a great, excellent program, great teachers uh, for that, and kids love it, man. When they go back there, they don't want to leave. That being said, they are more than welcome to stay right here in the service, amen? I don't care if they're a day old or uh, however, amen? We uh, like having the kids in the service. So, all right, well, if you have your Bibles today, I'm going to be preaching out of the book of John, the Gospel of John, and I want to be preaching about a faithful friend. Jesus is a faithful friend. And in John 15, Jesus has some words for us that reminds us of his faithfulness and his friendship to us. John 15, verse 13, I'll begin reading. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I've heard several things about friendship. I heard one time that a friend is someone who is there even when the good times aren't. A friend, someone who is there when the good times aren't. A friend is someone who always gets in your way when you're on your way down. A friend is someone who gets in your way when you're on your way down. Real friends are those people who when you make a fool of yourself, they don't think that you've done a permanent job. <laughs> Thought that was a good one. Uh, I heard someone say this, I'm the kind of friend that you can depend on. I'm always around when I need you. <laughs> Got any friends like that? I'm always around when I need you. If you really want to know who your friends are, make a big mistake. Mess up. You'll find out who your friends are. Someone once made the statement about friendship, I went out to find a friend, but could find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. In the Old Testament, there's three, three different Hebrew words translated friend. One of those, it's things that we can identify with. One of those words just means acquaintances. You know, to be acquainted with someone, to know someone, but that we call our friends. Sociologists and psychologists tell us that most people probably have around 200 acquaintances that we may call friends. That's a friend of mine. Uh, I have a lot of friends like that that are acquaintances. Um, but then there's some other friends that are called close friends. Close friends. Now these are people, close friends are great to have. Close friends are people that you might talk to on a regular basis. Uh, you may talk to them about very significant issues. You can open up with these people about many things. Notice I emphasize many things, not necessarily all things, but many things. You can open up. This might be a person that you spend a vacation with. Uh, you spend a weekend. You enjoy spending time together. This is a close friend. And again, sociologists say that, we, that most people may have about 25 of those friends at any point in your life. 25 different friends that you thoroughly and actually enjoy being around. Close friends. 
But the last word that's used uh, in the Hebrew for friend means an intimate friend. Maybe in your lifetime, maybe in your lifetime, you'll have two or three of these friends your entire life. And quite honestly, if you're blessed enough to have one close, I mean, I'm talking about intimate friend, you're blessed. If you have a friend like that today, you're blessed. You're blessed even more than you know. See, a friend is someone that can be honest with you. A friend is someone, like Jesus said, that's willing to lay down their life for you. See, friendship is vital. God knows this because, for one thing, did you know that God made us to be friends with Himself? The very first man that He created was named Adam. God created Adam, put him in the Garden of Eden, and He didn't just go back up to heaven and say, you know, okay, Adam, it was nice meeting you. No, the Bible actually says that God Almighty would come and walk with Adam every day. That's wonderful. I mean, man had a friend. In fact, God said that it is not good for man to be alone. And that's why God made Eve to to be a helper, to be someone that would be right by Adam's side because, and, and it's still true today, it is not good for man, it is not good for people to be alone. Now there's one thing to seek solitude. You know, there's times that we need to be alone in that sense. But you know, there's a sad reality that many people, and if you look at the statistics, there's a good possibility that even in our midst today, there are some of us that can be in a crowd of people and still be lonely, still be disconnected, still not feel that closeness, that connection, just loneliness. But God knows that we were created for, I mean, and we could see it throughout, you know, 2020, Uh, Man, I'm telling you, some of the effects of people being isolated from other people, you know, I think about seniors and and those in nursing homes and different places that were not able to feel the the physical touch of another human being and of a loved one. Um, Neuroscientist John uh, Capcioppio, whatever, put it, he he said this, we are wired for intimacy. Humans have a biological need to be in social groups and loneliness tells us we have a physical need for human contact. Former Surgeon General Murthy wrote in the Harvard Business Review that we live in the most technological, technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since the 1980s. And here's what the former Surgeon General said. He said, loneliness is a worldwide epidemic. And he added, it could be lethal. It could be lethal. New York Daily News, August 3rd, 2019, there was a report that 20% of millennials surveyed in a YouGov poll claimed that they do not have one single friend. So one out of five millennials surveyed said they don't have one friend. Not one. Now, another survey of about 20,000 U.S. adults by Cigna said that the loneliest members of Generation Z 
people roughly between the ages of 7 and 22, and are, are evenly split between those who use social media and those who don't. In other words, those who use social media the most in polls are the loneliest. Then those who don't use it as much uh, show uh, less signs of loneliness. I have, how about you? We're talking about friends today. I have over 1,200 friends. When I checked the other day, my last check was I have 12, uh, 12, uh, 1,275 friends. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Thanks a lot, Trey. Make that 1,274 friends. We'll mark one of those off. Uh, now, if you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Facebook. Now, how many of the people on Facebook could I call today and say, Hey, I got a problem. I need something. Could you be here? Most of those would say, now who's this again? And how'd you get my number? Right? But so we got all these friends, but I'm afraid that just much like the word love has lost much of its meaning and impact in our society. I mean, love used to mean something. But now love has lost a lot of its meaning. True love, listen, true love is not a feeling. True love is a commitment. It's a commitment that may indeed come with feelings, but true love is a commitment to someone. True love isn't just goosebumps, it's, it's being committed to someone. But this, this, it's similar with friendship. We call people friends, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I call people my friends, this is a friend of mine, and maybe they fall under that acquaintance category. Nothing wrong with that. But the sad thing is, I believe that friend in many ways has lost its meanings. Half of Americans, listen to this, this is sad. Half of Americans say they have, uh, only half of Americans say they have meaningful, daily, face-to-face social interactions. So about half of uh, of our country, half of this country says they do not have daily, face-to-face, significant interactions. Not that they don't talk to someone, but they don't have meaningful daily interactions. Bottom line is there's a lot of lonely, hurting people in this world today. Uh, Public health experts tell, tell us that loneliness is killing as many people as obesity and smoking. Now, today, I want to just take a few moments to say, I just want to tell you about a friend of mine. And his name is Jesus. Because if you don't know him today, I'd like to tell you about a friend that is the greatest friend that you could ever have. And I'll emphasize even right away, I'm not speaking in hyperbole here, I, uh, but I, you, I know him and you can know him as well. And I don't know who you are today, but I promise you one thing, the God that created you loves you and knows exactly who you are, cares about you, and just like he came walked with Adam, he wants to come walk with you in your life. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. See, mankind is a lot like a puzzle. Your life is a lot like a puzzle. You know, you bring it all together, and, and anybody, and, and you know, I think about puzzles, and, and I don't know if people any much, you know, my age and younger, I don't know how many people ever work with puzzles, but, uh, but you put together jigsaw puzzles. Anybody? 
All right, there's a few, and a few more don't want to admit it. But if you've ever put one of them together, you put all the pieces together, and finally you get down to that one final piece in the middle. Now, it's got to be, there's one piece missing, and it's got to fit. Can you imagine just trying to stick a ball or something right in that place? Or, or just, what, what people are trying to do today, there is one shape that will fit that empty space in that puzzle. And you can't just try to stick, you know, some, you can't try to stick a pill in there or a bottle in there, and you can't try to stick, you know, a baptismal certificate or a church membership in that hole and say that'll fill it up. There is a space in your heart, there's an emptiness there that can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ, and He loves you, He knows you, and He wants, to, uh, he wants you to know Him today. So let me tell you a few things about this, friend. John 15, verse 15, he says, I call you not servants, but I have called you friends. Number one, he's a real friend because we know that real friends love. He's a real friend who loves. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times. A friend loveth at all times. See, there was a man in the Bible that... He was a young man living at home. He's called the prodigal son. He was a a young man who left his home. He was a young man that disrespected his mother and his father and his home and his God. And he went to the far country. He went to try to go live the life that was contrary to to his God and the way he'd been raised. He took his inheritance money and the Bible quite literally says he blew it on alcohol and prostitutes. At least that's what his brother uh, accused him of. He blew all of his money. But here's the thing. When he first got there, he had had pockets full of money. So guess what he had? He had a lot of friends. Anybody ever been there? I mean, man, when when, when you're supplying the party, you've got friends all over the place. But man, when you start running out, and as he did, you start finding out who your friends really are. Matter of fact, by the time it was done, he had blown every dime he had and there was nobody there to help him when he was broke and broken. He'd spent all his money. He didn't have money for food now. He actually went to a man that was raising hogs and said, can I feed your hogs? I'll feed your hogs for money, which was basically an abomination for a Jewish person to do. But the Bible says he was out there, and as he began to feed those hogs slop, he looked at that slop and actually thought, man, I'm going to eat that slop myself. That's the point that he got to. But the point is, he had fair-weather friends. You ever had those kind of friends? I mean, listen, uh, I sure have fair-weather friends. But see, a friend, a real friend, the friend I'm telling you about today, he's a friend that loves at all times. He loves you when you're up. He loves you when you're down. He loves you when you're in. He loves you when you're out. The Bible says this. He hath loved you. Listen to this closely. He has loved you with what the Bible says is an everlasting love. What kind of love is this? It's a love that caused Jesus to actually go to the cross, to be beaten before He got there, to have His beard ripped out, to wear the crown of thorns, to be nailed to that old rugged cross, to die there. And He did all that, the Bible says, because He loved you so much. 
The Bible says God proved His love toward us. He commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what kind of love is that? That Jesus would go to the cross for you. Don't you love having babies in church? I sure do. I do. Uh, especially that, that baby's just, what, a week too old? Wonderful. Uh, but listen, what, how much love is that? But here's the thing you need to understand. You may not quite understand this, and it's hard to get your mind around, but I want to tell you right now that when He went to the cross, He actually had you on His mind. Now, He had you on His mind. Now, that, we, we know that was 2,000 years ago, which means that He knows all the good and the bad that you've ever done. He knows every bad thought you've ever thought, every bad thing you've ever said, everything you've ever done. And yet, He loved you enough to go to the cross because He loves you with an everlasting love. See, our human understanding of love is based a lot more on performance. We'll be accepted if we're good enough. But that's not the way God's love is. See, God loves you with an everlasting love. That means that there's never been a point that He's ever loved you any less than He did when He went to the cross for you. On your worst day, He loves you just the same, and it's beyond all comprehension. So He's a real friend who loves. He's a real friend who is steadfast. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 24, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We've talked about this steadfastness already. I suppose that there's been times in all of our lives where we've been betrayed by somebody who we thought was our friend. But Jesus is a steadfast friend. There's never a day, once you accept Him as your Savior, once you turn to Him, there will never be a day that He will not be with you. Now you may not always feel Him being with you, but He promised He'd be with us nonetheless. He's a steadfast friend. He's a friend that does not change. He's a friend that walks with you. But not only that, he's a friend who loves, he's a friend who's steadfast. Thirdly, he's a real friend that accepts. That accepts. Do you ever think if anybody knew you, they might not want to be your friend? Truth of the matter is, if you really knew me, you wouldn't want to be my friend. And there's a chance that if I really knew you, well, I hope I'd still want to be your friend because uh, believe me, I can say by the grace of God, God does something in your heart, amen, when it comes to friendship. But there's some people that would say, well, I don't want to do it with that guy. But I'm telling you, there's a Savior that does, amen. There was a, a wonderful accusation that Jesus had to take on one day. The Pharisees, the religious crowd... Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the better, holier-than-thou people, churchy people, they were being critical of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was accused of an accusation that's one of the greatest things I think's ever been said about him, and it's in Luke 7, verse 34. The Pharisees accused Jesus of, listen, being a friend of publicans and sinners. Publicans were tax collectors that were known to be crooked. They were, they, were, they were the most despised people 
some of the most despised people in the society, and sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. And they accuse Jesus of this. And by the way, you want to know what Jesus said about that? Guilty. (laughs) Guilty. A friend of sinners. See, He loves us in spite of our failures. We, we We never have to earn His love. And I want you to understand this very clearly. When I say He's a friend of sinners... You say, well, are you implying that I'm a sinner? Well, let me just try to go beyond implying that you're a sinner and just declare, yes, you are a sinner. As am I. Because the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Whether you want to admit it or not, it doesn't change the fact that at some point you have sinned. The Bible says we were born sinners. We're sinners by birth. Pretty soon we become sinners by choice. But we're sinners. And by the way, it's that sin that separates us from God. Okay? So, but He is a friend of sinners. He's a friend that accepts. The Bible says this in Ephesians 1 verse 6. The Bible says that we are accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. I love this phrase here, accepted in the beloved. Once you accept Christ as your Savior, the Bible says you're accepted. And that literally means to fit in. (laughs) To fit in. Can you imagine fitting in with God and God's people? If you would have, if, well, no, number one, if you really knew me, and if you would have known me before I knew Christ, you, I definitely didn't feel like I fit in to the church crowd. I surely didn't feel like I fit into the preacher crowd, and I'm not sure that I do even now. But one thing's for sure, the Bible says I fit in with Him. I am accepted in the Beloved. We fit See, we could never be worthy of coming into the presence of God on our own. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are able. We've been declared righteous. Now, the fourth thing here quickly is this. Back into John 15, a real friend is a friend that sacrifices. A real friend isn't just there when it's convenient or when it's easy. They sacrifice. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus' love was demonstrated. And by the way, I'll tell you something about love. Love isn't just something you say. Love is something you see. Jesus just doesn't say He loves us. He proved that He loves us. Again, I've already said it. He laid down His life for His friends. Now, the question is, why would Jesus do that? You know, you you ever question that? Like, why did Jesus go to the cross? Well, it goes back to the last point I made, really. And that's the fact that mankind, they sung the song just a moment ago. He loved me to death. And here's the thing. The Bible says, as I've already shared with you, we're all sinners. God loves us abundantly above what we could ever even imagine. But God hates sin. Sin stinks in the nostrils of God. And the Bible actually says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible goes on to say that sin separates us from God. 
But God doesn't accept that, amen? He says, I'm not just going to let that go. There's death, there's payment for sin. So here's what Jesus did. He said, I'll die for them. I will die in their place. I will suffer the wrath of God against sin so that they don't have to suffer the wrath of God against sin. Quite literally, Jesus said, I will take their hell on the cross so they don't have to. Jesus said, I lay down my life for my friends. See, since the wages of sin is death, many of you will be familiar with the the message that Jesus preached when He spoke about the broad way that leads to destruction. See, mankind is on a broad way leading to death and destruction, to a literal hell. And by the way, and it just kind of stinks on the way there, oftentimes. But Jesus died for us. He paid the price so that you could be saved. He took your sins and mine upon Himself. Greater man hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Oh, what a love that Jesus demonstrated for you. So his lo- a real friend sacrifices. It's demonstrated. He declares this in John 15, 14. Ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. And I'll close with that in just a moment. I like the fact that it was determined. Notice what the Bible says here. I love this. Verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Can I tell you something really cool today? I don't know what the answer to, the, to your... If I asked you the question today, I don't know what your answer would be, but if I was to ask you the question, why are you here today? Why did you come today? Why are you listening today as this goes out live over YouTube? Why? You'd say, oh, because somebody invited me or, you know, whatever other reason. And that's true. And that very well may be true. But did you know there's something even greater working behind that? How did you meet that person? Why did they, why were they, why, why did they care enough about you to say, hey, you're, you're my friend. Would you like to come to church with me Sunday? Why? You want to know what's working behind all that? Jesus said this, you've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. See, there's a God in heaven that not only did he love you enough, you think about it, he loved you enough to go to the cross, to carry all your sins, literally to be beaten and nails drove through his hands to pay for your sin, to make a way for you. He rose again the third day after he died. He ascended up to heaven. And you know what he's doing right now? He says, I've not, you've not chosen me, I've chosen you. So he's saying, hello, I want to be your friend. See, it's something he's decided. It's something that's determined. In other words, if Jesus has chosen you to be his friend, he wants you to be his friend. If you don't know him today, if he's not your friend already. A friend. Bible says this, there's a great passage over in the book of Hebrews. The Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, the Bible says that he endured the cross. He endured the cross. Why did he endure the cross? The Bible says for the joy before him. You know what the joy was? The joy was the day that I heard the gospel. I heard that Jesus died, rose again the third day, and that if I would uh, repent and believe, uh, trust Him as my Savior, He would save my soul. You know what the joy that was set before Him was seeing the day that I came to Him in faith. 
and what He's done in my life since that day. The joy that, in other words, you ever gone through something hard? You ever gone through something difficult? We all have. Maybe you're working hard. You know, sometimes you've got to remind yourself when you're working hard, maybe you're working hard to try to provide for your family or, or something to that effect. Sometimes you have to grind, but you push, and you have to remind yourself of something that's important to you to help you keep going on. You know what helped Jesus keep going on when he was being beaten with that cat of nine tails? This is a pretty awesome thought. You. You. When it was hard, Jesus said, I'm thinking of them. I'm thinking of them. And I'm thinking of that day when they go from knowing about me to they go to the point of actually knowing me. That's how we are with a lot of our friends, right? Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, I know that person. But no, Jesus says, I want to be that close friend. He wants to know you today. He wants you to know him. He's a real friend that sacrifices. And I'll say this. You say, well, I started off by saying I'd like to introduce you to this friend of mine. You know, that's a simple thing today. And the way that you come to Christ, have you ever met anybody? And there's probably people sitting here. I bet there's a number of people sitting here today, uh, both in, even members of our church, that at some point in their lives have made this statement. Anybody else? I've tried religion. I've tried religion. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Because religion's not going to do you much good. So when I'm talking about introducing you to this friend of mine, it is not, hey, look at this big building here. This is my friend. It's a lovely building. You know, some people worship their church or something. Oh, wonderful. And when, when I'm talking about introducing you to a friend of mine, I'm not going to bring out some other person. Or I'm not, and I'm not going to bring out, hey, and here's the baptistry. That, the baptistry is not the friend I'm trying to introduce you to. Becoming a member of this church is not the friend I'm trying to introduce you to. I'm telling you today that there's a God in heaven that loves you. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible, the Bible says it very plainly. It says this, the way we come to Him is this way. The Bible says, for with the heart. Remember I was talking about us all being sinners? We need to be made righteous. Jesus, when He went to the cross, He took our sin... But if you will give him your sin, he will give you his righteousness in exchange. And so the Bible says, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Now here's the thing. The difference between knowing Jesus intellectually and intimately, it's only about an 18-inch difference, physically speaking, but I'm telling you, it's eternity of difference, spiritually speaking. It's just from here to there. Many people, oh yeah, I know Jesus, I know Jesus. I got, oh yeah, I got religion, let me tell you, blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. Do you know Him here? In other words, have you believed on Him with your all? Have you been willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to let go of this world, let go of my sin, let go of what I've been holding on to, and I'm willing to, I'm willing to turn and, and, and hold on to Jesus? I think a good example of believing, I, I don't know why this just came to mind, but I was uh, thinking about it, a rancher out in uh, uh, western South Dakota, and he was out, you know, riding over his land, and, uh, well, he was, he was right over just a big old cliff that was going down in this huge draw, I mean, just about a 150-foot drop, riding along the edge, 
And uh, there was a rattlesnake spooked his horse, kicked him off the horse, and over the side he goes. But before he fell, and before he plummeted to death or severe injury, he was able to find a root to hold on to. And I'll translate that root for some of y'all, okay? A root to hold on to. Uh, and he's there hanging precariously over the side of that cliff. And he starts to holler, you know, which is a funny thing people do. Nobody's around, right? But he starts to holler and he starts to, is anybody there? Somebody help me. And pretty soon he hears a voice and says, I'm here. And he says, help me. And he says, this is God. And I'm going to help you. He said, but first, you have to let go. The rancher paused a second and he said, Is anybody else up there? <laughs> That's the difference. There's a lot of people still holding on to that, whatever it is, self-righteousness, being a good person, their baptism, their religion, whatever it may be, their own way they've got figured out. And they say, oh yeah, and I believe in Jesus too. But Jesus says, will you let go? Will you let go today and trust me? Will you let go and believe on me? See, with the heart, that's, that's believing. With the heart, man, believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And you ready for this? Greatest news ever. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When that's the condition of your heart, you can quite literally... Pray a prayer like this from your heart today. Listen, this is serious. Pray a prayer like this from your heart today. Dear Lord, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. That's hard for some people to admit. It's easier for others. But some it's hard to admit. I'm a sinner today, Lord. And I've been holding on to some things. But today, I want to let go. And I want to believe in you. I want to believe on you Jesus, will you please come into my heart and my life? Be my Lord and my Savior. If you pray a prayer like that from your heart today, guess what? You can be introduced to this friend of mine. But you've got to be willing to let go. I think about the prayer of my mom. Before, before, she, before she knew she had cancer, she passed away from cancer a short time later. But boy, she was just so convicted and brokenhearted over her sin and her condition. And she, she, she felt that separation. She knew she had that missing piece that nothing has been able to fill. She knew she had that. And I love her prayer. Her, her simple prayer of faith was just simply, and many of you have heard it, was just this. Jesus, will you please come take my hand? Amen. You could say that today. But, what, but the big point is this. You need to be willing to let go. Let go of your pride. Let go of your religion. Let go of all that. It's a relationship. It's about Him. It's about you. He wants to be your friend and He'll be the best friend you've ever had. And may I add something else to Christians, church? The Bible says Jesus came to be a friend of sinners. You know what Jesus said about us? He said, Father, as I am, so are they in this world. You know what we need to be today? We need to be friends to people, care about people, love people. And by the grace of God, when you come to this church, you should be able to find a friend, amen? Somebody that cares about you, somebody that loves you. Oh, preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. 
There's a God in heaven that loves you so much. You don't know what I've said. You don't even know the awful things I've said about God and thought about God before. I've turned my back on God. There's no way he'll, he'll have me back. Oh, yes, he will. Yes, he will. If you'll just turn toward him today. So I wonder if you would just stand together and we'll be dismissed in just a moment. Thank you to all of our friends that are here today. Thank each of you. For being here i appreciate my friends that came i just thrilled my soul uh to have my friends come today blesses my heart and uh, and i'm glad to meet some of your friends as well. but do you know the lord today have you met jesus do you know him if you don't he'd love to save you today i'd love to introduce you with every head bowed every eye closed barb's going to start playing softly on the piano ryan's going to sing in just a moment but before he does I just want to ask you, would you be willing to let go today? You may be someone that says, I, Preacher, I think I did just let go. I did just let go. I just trusted Christ. If you haven't, you can. Oh, well, I've, I've, I believe in Jesus, but do you know Him? Do you know Him? If you don't, would you be willing to pray that prayer with me right now? Dear Lord Jesus, pray with me. From your heart, dear Lord Jesus, Turn forgive me of my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my friend. I know that I've done wrong. I know that I've been wrong. But God, I want you to make it right today. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and my life and be mine. You know, if the Lord works on your heart and if you say a prayer like that from your heart, that's how simple it is. And if you have said a prayer like that from your heart today, I would encourage you to start growing in the Lord. He said He'll never leave you nor forsake you. The altar is open if anyone, anyone needs to pray as Ryan sings this morning. If you know it, you can sing along. Has the Lord spoken to your heart today? Amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you're able, please stay for potluck, soup, and chili. Uh, you are welcome to stay, um, and we'd just love to uh, make sure you get through the line first. Make sure if you had a friend come today, don't have to be a first-time guest. If it's a friend of yours that came, be sure they get a, a gift bag today, all right? And I'm going to ask Chad to dismiss us in a word of prayer. Uh, people's moving toward that food already, Chad. So I'm going to get you, Chad to pray, Chad Gross, and then I'm going to get him to ask God to bless the food, all right, so that uh, those that want to, we'd like to get our senior saints through the line first, let our senior saints get through the line, and uh, then we can get kids and all that after that. But uh, Chad, ask God to close the service and to bless the food. <laughs> 